from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. So today I um I want to tell you about when I uh, committed adultery, which I, I I never meant for it to happen. But well, it never happened. That was acting. Do you know why it never happened? Because I planned for it to never happen. Now, I I have friends who have committed adultery, and do you know why they did it? Because they didn't plan not to. They didn't plan to, but they didn't plan not to. Now, lest you think I, uh, you know, I'm perfect, there are other ways I have sinned. I mean, years ago and days ago and perhaps hours and probably minutes ago. Do you know why I've sinned in those other ways? Because I didn't plan not to. And I know something about you. Uh, You have sinned too, quite a bit. We sin and man, we don't want to. I mean, mean, you want to, but you don't want to. You, You want to because sin usually feels good, right? Sin is fun. And if you don't think sin is fun, you're not doing it right. If sin didn't feel good, if it wasn't fun, no one would ever do it. Sin is fun until it's not. And it's usually not fun for long. If, if I was better at preaching, I might say, sin thrills and then it kills. It fascinates and then it assassinates. But I'm not that good. Sin promises satisfaction and then robs us of what we want most. Why? Because every time we sin, we are missing out on God's best. Choosing to sin is choosing to live a less than life. And no one would ever intentionally choose a less than life, but we do because it's it's not mentioned in sin's sales pitch. And... We don't want to sin because choosing to sin is choosing not to love. We want to live lives of love. But when we sin, we're choosing not to love ourselves, someone else who will be hurt by our actions, and God, which is another reason we don't want to sin. But because we love God and sin breaks his heart. In the Bible, we get the idea that sin is like committing adultery against God. It's like we we go behind his back and we we turn away from his love and we choose something else over him. Or we could say sin is choosing to love yourself even if it offends God. And sin does offend God. One more thing about sin, it separates. It separates us from God and it leads to death. Check out what God tells us in the Bible, in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Death refers to separation. When we sin, we're separated from what God wants from us. We experience guilt and shame that rob us of the peace and joy we're meant to have. 
When we sin, we're separated from God. We, we lose intimacy with him. Wow, we don't want to sin. Sometimes we feel like we do, sure, but, but we don't. And sometimes we feel like we don't want to sin, but we do anyway. Why? Why do we sin? Well, honestly, because you are more sinful than you think you are. Sorry to break it to you. Unless you think I'm judging you, I am more sinful than I think I am. We are more prone to wander and turn our backs on God than we are comfortable admitting. Remember that verse that says, uh, James chapter 1, verse 14, said, says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Saying, man, you are your worst own enemy. Uh, more sinful than you think you are. And we don't like to admit that, but look at 1 John 1, 8, which says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And that's why we can't afford to lie to ourselves about ourselves. Because if we do, it makes us less ready and therefore more vulnerable. Also, more bad news, you're not as strong as you think you are. You're more sinful than you think you are. You're not as strong as you think you are. We, we tend to think we can handle more than we can. And that, that is dangerous. That, that's why in the Bible we're warned, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And, and then also in 1 Corinthians it says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You don't have to believe the Bible to believe this. If you're like, well, we get lots of people at Verve. We're like, I'm checking this out. I just want to hurt this church by my church. I'm not sure if I believe any of it. You don't have to believe the Bible. So studies prove that people vastly overestimate their ability to resist temptation. Psychologists have a technical term for this. They call it restraint bias. Restraint bias means you are not able to control impulsive decisions and behaviors like you think you are. This is why um, when someone brings their famous home-baked chocolate brownies to the office, you think, no way, I am not cheating on my diet, and you walk right past it. And then the second time you walk past it, you're like, I'm just going to cut a little sliver just to taste it. And then the third time you walk by, not only do you eat a big piece, but somehow you end up with chocolate brownies in your hair. How? What happened there? You thought you were stronger than you really are. That pride led you to rely on your limited willpower and ultimately to fail. I said limited willpower, and that's been proven too. It turns out you only have so much. As you use it, your willpower will wane and wear out. So, so you are more sinful than you think you are, and you're not as strong as you think you are. And so what that means is, man, we have to be ready. In our New Year's Revolution series, we're talking about the power of predecision. Instead of waiting for the moment to arrive, we predecide who we want to be and what we want to do. And this week's predecision is, I am ready. I am ready. We don't wait to get ready for when the moment of temptation arrives. 
because that moment is fraught with peril. We are not great in that moment. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make three pre-decisions today that will help us to be ready when temptation attacks. You ready? All right, let's do this. The first pre-decision to help us be ready, move the line. Move the line. Uh, one person we learned this from in the Bible is Samson. Um, maybe when I say Samson, you think of some things. Like, like, like when I say Michael Jordan, you think basketball. When I say Jeff Bezos, you think Amazon. When I say Lady Gaga, you think meat dress. I do. Uh, Samson should have been known as a hero of the Bible, but he's not. Samson is a cautionary tale. He is in the blooper reel of the Bible. Why? Because Samson put the line in the wrong place. Uh, Samson's story starts with his parents dedicating him to God, and then it goes right off the rails. Uh, Samson falls in love with Delilah, who is a Philistine. She asks Samson to tell her the secret of his great strength. He's, he's incredibly strong. Samson plays with Delilah, telling her that he cannot be tied with thongs or lose his strength. She has men come, they tie him with thongs, but he easily breaks free. Uh, Delilah complains to Samson that she feels foolish and she wants to know the truth. Um, break up with your girl, Samson. It's time to tell her, thank you, next. But no, Samson continues to toy with her, this time claiming he can't be tied with ropes or lose his strength. Delilah has Philistines come and rope him up. That doesn't work. Samson, it's, it, that's not fair. Delilah's mad again, she, which is kind of sus, don't you think, Samson? He doesn't. And, and so he, she says, again, you need to tell me the truth. And he calms her down by telling her that he will lose his strength if his hair is braided. So while he sleeps, Delilah weaves his gorgeous locks, and that doesn't work either. When Samson wakes up with his hair braided, you would think he'd definitely say, we are done. But can I still share your Netflix account? But he doesn't. Samson finally tells Delilah the truth, that his hair cannot be cut. So she has the top barber of the Philistines come while Samson is asleep. And when he wakes up, their soldiers take him captive because he's lost his strength. They gouge out his eyes and they lead him to a dungy prison cell. And... As Samson sat there, blind and shackled, you know he had to ask, how did this happen to me? Which we've all asked, right? When we sin, when our lives are nothing like we hoped, how did this happen to me? And the answer for Samson is the answer for us. It's where we put the line. So, so think about Samson's story with me. Why was he even interested in a Philistine woman? God had forbidden Samson's people from marrying outside their faith. And the Philistines weren't just outside his faith. They were the enemies. And what's up with the hair, Samson? His entire life, Samson knew the secret of his great strength was tied to not getting his hair cut. But when Delilah an enemy Philistine asked Samson how to take away his strength. He eventually tells her to cut off his hair. Samson knew there was a line. Don't marry someone outside your faith. 
don't cut your hair. But what he did was he, he chose to walk as close to the line as he could. And then when the moment came, he couldn't resist the temptation and fell into sin. So, think back on the last few times you caved when you were tempted. I bet it started by you walking too close to the line. Few people plan to wreck their lives, but even fewer people plan not to. But you are not most people. We are not. And so we are going to revolutionize our lives. I struggled with that word, didn't I? We're going to revolutionize our lives by being ready for the moment of temptation. We are pre-deciding to move the line. I'll give you an example. Uh, when my wife Jennifer and I first started dating, and then we were engaged, we were new Christians, and we learned that we were supposed to wait for marriage to have sex. Okay. So we knew what we couldn't do physically. We just didn't know what we could do. And I want to know, like, what can I do? Like, give me everything possible. Like, I was looking for the line, the, the line between right and wrong. I didn't want to sin, but my intention was to get as close to that line as possible as I could without going over it. And I, I think most of us do that. You know what's interesting? Is that we, we never do that when it's obvious there's real danger, right? If a doctor is about to do surgery on you, you don't ask, hey, how close can you get to my artery without slicing it and causing me to bleed out on your table? No. When it's obvious there's real danger, we stay away from the line. The problem is when it comes to sin, the danger is often hidden. It's kind of like a fish, uh, swimming and then seeing a juicy worm flowing just before below the surface of the water. Man, it looks delicious. What it doesn't see is the hook in the worm that will lead to the fish's death. And what we see looks great, but what we don't see will destroy us. The, the danger of sin is hidden. And, and that's why we, we feel so comfortable cozying up to the line, but man, it's there. And so for us, when we were engaged, we realized if we get close to that line, we're going to end up going over it because Jen just couldn't keep her hands off of me. You can't blame her, right? So what, what, what did we do? Well, we pre-decided to move the line. We made the decision to never be alone. That was our line, to always be in places where someone else could see us. That's the line we set for ourselves. So did we ever end up going too far sexually, physically? No, we couldn't. We were never in a place where it was possible. Listen, uh, we are not as strong as we think we are. So instead of getting close to the line of sin, what we're going to do is pre-decide to move the line further away from sin. If it's wrong and tempting, we're just not going to get close. We pre-decide to move the line to, to put distance between ourselves and the temptation. I mean, why resist a temptation tomorrow if we have the power to eliminate it today? 
And so ask yourself, what can I do to move the line? How can I put myself in a place where I can't be tempted or at least won't be able to easily act on the temptation, right? Like uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps you have the spiritual gift of spending money on Amazon. You're gifted at that. You have incredible skill in clicking that buy now button. And when you do, you feel the glory of God. Something new is coming in the mail. The problem is you're spending too much money. Like you've just spent way too much. You bought some books, a shirt, the 36 pack of toilet paper, the air fryer, the sushi roller, the lumbar support pillow, the guac lock, the Boba Fett backpack, the Dumbo blanket, the ramen soup graphic hoodie, and a chicken harness. And you don't own a chicken. You've spent way too much. You've thought, that's it. Man, I, that, that was too much. I am not going to buy anything else. I won't do it. I'm not going to do it again. But then you did it again. How do you stop? You move the line. For instance, uh, you might have your best friend change your password. So you can't click that magical buy now button unless your friend approves. That would move the line and that would work. Or um, let's say your issue is spending too much time on Instagram. You're on Instagram for three, four, five hours a day. And yeah, you have interesting friends, but not that interesting. And, and you, you know, you need to stop watching other people's lives and start living your own. And you keep saying that you want to stop and you're wasting so much time, but you get sucked back into it every day. So what should you do? Stop relying on willpower in the moment. You'll fail every time. Instead, move the line. Like, you could go into your phone settings, choose the tempting app for you, and in the advanced time options, set your limit for each day at 30 minutes. Uh, you know what temptations you can't handle. So refuse to put yourself in that position. Predecide to move the line. You might miss out. Uh, you might miss out on a fleeting moment of pleasure here and there, but you will save yourself from feeling the guilt and regret. You won't hurt other people by your decisions. You won't hurt God. You will take your life back. How? You pre-decide to move the line. The second predecision to help us be ready is magnify the cost. Magnify the cost. Uh, one person we learned this from in the Bible is David. He was the king of Israel, and he was hanging out on the roof. And from the roof, David could see a beautiful woman named Bathsheba bathing naked. You have to wonder if David had been to that website before. Uh, perhaps he knew about the line of sin that existed on his roof, and he could have just moved the line. I don't go up on the roof ever, right? Temptation's gone. Instead of trying his luck with temptation by getting up close to it, I need some fresh air. The roof sounds kind of good. But David did not move the line. He went to the roof, 
he saw Bathsheba. Suddenly, it occurs to him, I could invite her over for a nightcap. I mean, I am the king. She'd like that, right? In that moment of temptation, what should David have done? That's the wrong question because we know the best odds of success are not in the face of temptation, but before that moment ever arrives. Again, why would I ever choose to resist a temptation in the future if I had the power to eliminate it today? So what should David have done before facing the the supercharged, adrenaline-fueled, dopamine-inflamed moment of what felt like unbearable temptation? He should have magnified the cost. In the moment, he was probably thinking, I'll have her over. I mean... Maybe we'll have sex. If we if we do, it will feel great. And that will be the end of it. No harm, no foul. But before the moment, before the moment, he could have asked, what could go wrong? What is the worst case scenario? And what if it really happens? If he did, he might have answered, well, she could get pregnant. I could need to have her innocent husband killed to cover up my part in it. I could wreck Bathsheba's life in that way. I could go through months of being racked with guilt and feeling separated from God. The baby could die. My other children might become rebellious. It could bring tragedy on my family for years to come. The story could be told in the Bible so my shame would be exposed to millions and be a part of my legacy. But David... Uh, did not play out the worst case scenario. He should have because it became the actual case scenario. All those things, that's exactly what happened. And if he had predecided to magnify the cost, he wouldn't have been on the road in the first place. And he would have looked away if he did see Bathsheba. And I don't want to make the same mistake uh, David did. So what I do is I magnify the cost. Like, what would happen if I was unfaithful to Jen? Well, I would lose the trust and respect of my best friend, the woman who has stood by me by my side and honored me with more love than I could ever describe. My children and their future spouses, my future grandchildren would no longer look up to me as a man of God. I, I would lose the respect of everyone who trusts me as their pastor. Man, a few minutes of sin few minutes of sin could wreck a lifetime of pursuing Jesus. So I have decided to predecided, right? That's what we're doing. Predecided to magnify the cost. It keeps me off the roof. How about you? Have you asked yourself what could go wrong? Because it will go wrong. What is the worst that could happen if you get clo too close to that line and because of temptation, trip over it? Man, your sin will come out. It always does. You could lose your reputation and your ministry and your integrity. You could lose your job or a loved one. You could wreck your finances or your marriage. Your kids could resent you. Your spouse could leave you. If you persist in sin, you could miss out on your destiny. That's where temptation will lead you if you let it. But we won't. We are gonna be ready through the power of predeciding. You're going to move the line, you're going to magnify the cost, and the third predecision, you're going to plan your escape.
You're going to plan your escape. You will try to avoid temptation, right? We're, we're going to, those first two predecisions, we shouldn't even be in the, the area of temptation. But just in case, because it will probably happen, you will decide in advance how you will get out of the temptation. Uh, we see this in the Bible with a guy named Joseph. So Joseph is this guy, when he was young, like maybe teenager, or super early 20s, um, his brothers sold him into slavery. And he ended up working for a guy named Potiphar, who was the captain of the Pharaoh, it's like the king's guard. Uh, in Genesis 39, we are told that Joseph was, you ready for this? It says that he was um, well-built and handsome. Well-built and handsome. And because he looked so much like me, I mean, Ryan Gosling, the Bible says, uh, after a while... His master's wife took notice of Joseph. Uh, she was thirsty and decided to make a move on Joseph. She says, come sleep with me. Man, imagine how easy it would have been for Joseph to give in. He could have justified sinning by thinking, I didn't do anything wrong, and my brother sold me into slavery. This is not my homeland. I'm all alone. No one will ever find out. I'm young. I'm single. She made the move on me. Maybe I should just go for it. I mean, God hasn't done what I want him to, so why should I do what he wants me to? That's it. I'm, I'm going for it. Could have, right? It, it is easy to use your disappointments to justify your disobedience. Have you been there? My, my spouse isn't meeting my needs, so I got to do what I got to do. My, my boss isn't paying me enough, so of course I'm going to find ways to get a little extra for me. Joseph could have justified saying yes to Potiphar's wife, but he had made up his mind that he was going to honor God with his life. So when she came to him, he said no. Joseph told her he could not sin against her husband or against his God. He resisted. And then what happened? Well, he was never tempted again, right? Yeah, right. You know, she kept coming up in his business every day, day after day. She, she kept making her moves. And, and some might think that Joseph was strong for resisting temptation. No. Remember, none of us are that strong. Joseph wasn't strong he was ready. He was ready. And he was wise enough to pre-plan his escape. One day, Potiphar's wife approached him. And instead of just using more words, come sleep with me, she just grabbed Joseph. She, she grabbed his coat and, and tried to rip it off him. What did Joseph do? Did he think, well, I guess this is finally the time I give in to temptation. I mean, I, I've been strong. Up to, no, no. He turned and he ran, literally ran. He left his coat in her hand and ran out of the house. Why? Because he knew it's better to have a good name than a good coat. He knew that, that a lifetime of honoring God is better than a few minutes of pleasure. And so he pre-decided, if she grabs, I run. And we need to do the same. When we're tempted, when we're tempted, we can feel like we have no choice. We, we feel too weak and the allure seems too strong. But when you feel vulnerable, man, re remember, God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God provides a way out and we need to run to it. We're told that like in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says flee from sexual immorality. When you're in that situation, run. Um, 2 Timothy 2 uh, says flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. We don't just fight, we flee. And we don't run haphazardly. We decide our escape route in advance for any temptation we see coming at us in the future. So I wonder, how will you get yourself away from the temptation? Uh, I don't don't know. Maybe part of your escape plan can be, hey, if this happens, I'm going to call my friend and ask them to pray for me in that moment and to keep me accountable by asking me the next day if I caved into temptation or not. I, I don't know. But when you're tempted, God is always faithful and he will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will give you an escape every single time. So, we predecide. We move the line to avoid that temptation altogether. We magnify the cost so the temptation loses its luster and we plan our escape. So if we are hit by a temptation, we know exactly what we will do. Why? Because no one plans to screw up their life, but people do it all the time. The problem is that they didn't plan not to. We are going to plan not to. We are going to be ready. And 2023 will be the year we take our lives back. This could be the best year of our lives. The year where everything changed. Let's pray for that. Let's pray together. God, temptation is so strong. Each of us has certain temptations that are so strong, and we are not as strong as we think we are. We're more sinful than we think we are. And so when we are in that moment battling temptation, we lose so often. So God, starting now, we we have a new strategy. We aren't going to fight that temptation. We're going to move the line so we don't even put ourselves in that place. We're going to magnify the cost so it doesn't look so tempting because we know, We know what will happen if we go there. And we will plan our escape route so we know exactly what we're going to do when temptation hits. God, help us to live ready, to be ready. God, I am ready. We pray for your help to do these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.